Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. You know, I don't know if, uh, if you guys are like me or if there's anyone like me in the room where um, it can be difficult to gear into the Christmas season. I know for some people, it's just like, hey, it's not even Thanksgiving and we are going, baby. We are going. We've got all of the decor up. We've got some people like that and that's cool. I love you. I'm married to one. <laughs> for me, it's a little bit more difficult to, to jump into it. But after um, worshiping Jesus like that, I was like, all right, let's go. Christmas time. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Yes, I, um, I, I felt, I felt in, uh, joyful, and I feel, I feel joyful. There was just such good news that we're, we're declaring in those songs. So praise God for that. I think, I think it's really important uh, that we understand the context of, of Christmas, though, also, right? That we don't just jump in and, okay, birth of a baby, even, I mean, even birth of Jesus, and sometimes we just keep it, keep it to that. Right? We need to understand the, the whole context of why Christmas, right? Why, why? Why is this even necessary? John says in his gospel that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Right? And so there in the very beginning before anything else was, there God was, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit before everything else. And he speaks everything into existence. He takes and creates man, putting Adam and Eve into the garden where they have this perfect union there. There's this perfect communication. There's this 24-7 access between them and God. We see this picture of God walking in the garden with them, right? And then God gives instructions on how they are to live and they decide not to live in that way, and that's called sin. And there's then this separation from man and, and God, right? They're placed outside of the garden. And so now here comes this huge issue, right? Here comes this issue that man can't do anything about. We can't do a little jig. We can't do a performance. We can't do all of this right stuff in order to get back into that garden and get back into that place of right relationship with God. There's nothing that we can do. That's the need for Christmas. So that God would take that step towards us, that he would make a way for us to be back with him. God would come 
he would come to us. And that's what we're talking about over the next few weeks. It's this series entitled, Jesus, He is with us. And I was telling you a little bit about how hard it is sometimes for me to get into the, uh, the Christmas season. That's why last week we called that tiptoeing into Advent, right? We're just, just little tiptoes, just, just, just a little bit of tiptoes. Um, but this morning I wanna talk about Emmanuel, God with us. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter seven. Now, listen, I know we've got some families uh, here with us. I know we all can identify what it's like to have kids um, and to be with kids. Um, and we've seen it on the TVs. We've seen it around other people. Uh, but I, wanna, I want to help all of us get on the same page of the feeling of being a parent. Okay, so if we could. So this... If we could uh, just, just let, me, let, me, let me say just a few things here. So this is kid versus baking. This is kid versus food coloring. Next, this is kid versus lipstick. Yeah, love it. This is uh, kid versus baby powder. You got to make sure and uh, keep everything nice and covered. This is baby powder part two. So you want to make sure you really get it into the cushions. Kid versus wall. Hey, the kid won. Go kid. This is a bum powder or bum paste. Make sure you get it on all the crevices. Again, uh, kid versus lipstick. This looks more like Halloween, but that, go get it. This is kid versus aquaphor. I have no idea how you get that um, off. That, that's just all up in the hair there, all up in it. This is kid versus uh, Hershey syrup, right? This is just a sweet picture, right? It's just absolutely sweet. Uh, this looks like kid versus craft time. Okay, this is what my house looks like on a regular basis. Yeah, oftentimes coming home to this. This is kid versus shaving cream. You got to make sure and lather it up really well, right? Just, just all over. This is, uh, what is that? Kid versus uh, paper shreddings, right? So if you don't want to bring the snow inside, here's a good option for you. Make sure you take note. So uh, this is, again, kid versus baby powder. Just get it all over the room. He missed a couple areas, so we'll have to give him just a little bit of coaching um, there. Kid versus baby powder. Again, kid versus uh, the the desitin, that that bum cream. Um, Again, he missed a spot. This, again, looks a lot like my house. Uh, Kid versus couch. Uh, Food. Food on the couch. Is that popcorn? Yeah, make sure you just really get it in there. Again, kid versus marker. You got the head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Got it all covered. Praise Jesus. Love that. This is kid versus desk. Hey, mom's going to go take a shower, um, and I'm going to make sure the desk is cleaned off. Solid. Yeah. Yeah, this is kid versus comet. I love it when the kids decide to clean, right? Just comet everywhere. Um, Fitting for Christmas. This is kid versus Nesquik. Um, Just keep it chocolatey. Uh, this is kid versus styrofoam. Again, this looks like my house. Um, another option for snow, if you don't want to bring it inside, just styrofoam everywhere. And it makes a lovely sound too. This is kid versus lotion. Um, make sure you stay nice and hydrated for the season. This is, uh, again, kid versus flour. We are uh, just baking, doing lots of baking. Yeah, this is kid versus hair grease. Plenty of it. Yeah, and this, this is one of my favorites, just kid versus, uh, I think they said it was cold cream, um, just all over. I'm not sure how healthy that is, but um, that's what kids do, 
right? It's, it's what kids do. Oh, yes, I forgot. We have, this is Wendy's favorite. This is kids versus mud. Yeah. Have you? Oh, yeah. Missed a couple spots there. I'll have to work on that. This is, what, this is why we need discipleship, right? Make sure you just, just cover all the, all the bases, all of, all of the aspects. Man, um, but this is, this is oftentimes uh, what, what, I, what I come home to. It's a mess. It's a mess. And mom is, uh, you know, you get into these instances where the kids made a mess and now in order for mama to clean up the mess, we've got to put kids in timeout. And there's probably a little bit of discipline needed there too, right? So uh, we're going to put the kids in timeout. And then I get home and I get to hear all about it. Like from step one to step two, I was only gone for 30 seconds. Yeah, okay. I would never say that. I would never doubt my wife. Just kidding. Well, no, that's the truth. I'm just digging a ditch. We'll just keep digging. Anyways... Wifey will say, here's what happened. They're in timeout. You are not allowed to go in there. You're not allowed to, to, you're not allowed to take them out, rather. And I'm like, huh, how can, I, how can I get around this? This is Ben's mind. How can I get around this? And it's a pro anacon. How can I get around this issue? So I decide, and I'm going to go, go in there, right, in the middle of their mess. And so I've, I've got my little playpen and I'll go into the kids, and I'll get in there. And uh, it's just like us to to make a mess after we've been making a mess, right? So just, and this is the heart of our Christmas season, of us making a mess, and God getting right into it with us. Emmanuel, God, God with us. This is, this is the heart. And I really wanted us to grab a hold of this vision because we're the toddlers. We're the ones making a mess. And God's the good dad who's jumping into the mess to be right there with us. And this is the theme of the Christmas season. This is what I want to gear our hearts towards. This is what I want to gear our, our visions towards. And so um, I've asked you to turn to Isaiah chapter 7. We're coming into this story where Isaiah is living in difficult times, um, and obviously it's difficult to be a prophet, as we've seen from time and time and time again, because of how people respond to prophets. They say, me no likey. I don't like to hear this, this truth. I don't like to hear this, this, this sharpness. This, right? a, a prophet hears the words from God and gives that direction, gives that next step. And, and the people hear what they need to hear. And that's what Isaiah is doing. And he's uh, speaking the words of God to um, four different kings during his time. He speaks to Uzziah, Yotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And for you history buffs, we're going to be looking at specifically sometimes during three or 739 through 686 BC, and we're going to be zeroing into where King Ahaz is the king. And as we're getting into the story in Isaiah chapter 7, uh, we're going to be encountering this question that will shape, as you would read through the, the book of Isaiah, it'll shape the next 33. 32 chapters, all the way through 39. And here's the question. Will the people of God trust Yahweh God or will they trust the things around them? Will the people of God 
trust God? Or will they trust the things around them in their life? And we're going to see this story play out a little bit today. So let's go ahead and read. We're going to read uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. It says, In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of King Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Sheryashab, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And I want you to say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Ramalia. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Ramalia has devised evil against you saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it and let us conquer it and, uh, for ourselves and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is Ramalia. If you are not firm in your faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol and high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to a test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, but that you also would weary my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed in Judah, the king of Assyria. And so we've got King Ahaz here as the leader of Israel, and you have the uh, people of Israel to the north, and you have the people of Syria also in that direction. And these two kings of Israel and of Syria are now teaming together, and they're coming against Judah to fight them and, and to take them over. And as uh, King Ahaz and the people of Israel are hearing about the story, they're afraid, right? They're afraid. And I love this because God sees, right? God knows when we're going through these tough emotional states. God knows when we are in trouble. He knows, he, he sees it. And what I love even more is that he doesn't just see it, but he can do something about it, 
And so what he does is he sends a prophet. He sends someone who would hear the voice of God and speak the voice of God for their current situation. Anybody praising God this morning for those people in their lives who would be faithful to hear the voice of God and speak it in their lives? I'm, we just, yeah, God, thank you for them. I'm, I'm so grateful for them. And I love how specific God can be also, right? Look how, how specific. He knows exactly where to find uh, King Ahaz at exactly which time. It, it said, uh, where was it there? In verse three, go out to meet Ahaz. So I'm going to tell you what to do. You and Sher Yashub, your son. So I'm going to tell you who to bring with you. And it's going to be specifically at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. This is a specific location. I'm wondering if uh, we shouldn't be pressing in to be hearing words as clearly as this, as the people of God today. Some of us would just hear like um, a, a generalized word and the Lord was actually just correcting me, um, maybe not even correcting, just nudging me along, helping me to grow a little bit, saying, listen more specifically. And so there's, there's this something in my heart, someone spoke it to me earlier this week saying, why don't you continue to press forward in uh, prophetic ministry and getting more specific? Okay. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let's, let's continue in that direction because clearly God is able, right? We just, we just need to hear. And so Isaiah um, goes to the right place at the right time because God showed him exactly what to do and what to say. And he uh, speaks this encouragement to King Ahaz saying, these plans that these evil people are making, they shall not stand, right? He's saying, you can trust, you can trust God. But I want to dig into just the backstory just a little bit more. If you have some time this week and you want to do a little bit further study on this story, uh, check out 2 Kings chapter 16. What we see in this backstory is that instead of trusting God, uh, King Ahaz has already made a strategic move to trust the leader of another country. He's already chosen, he's already chosen this. And so when we get to this part of where um, Isaiah is saying, Ahaz, it's, it's time for you to just ask the Lord for a sign. It would make sense why Ahaz doesn't ask for a sign. It's because he's already made a decision not to. He's already trusted in something else. And so I wonder for who that lands on for today, right? Where we aren't actually asking God and we're not fervently seeking him in prayer and we're not praying to him unceasingly because we've actually put our trust somewhere else. We've actually put our trust in something else to provide for us or to make a way for us. Ahaz says, I'm, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask, put the Lord to a, a test, trying to, trying to cover it up. But um, Isaiah uh, sees right through that, and he tells them of this sign that's going to come. Number one, the first part of it is that the Assyrians are going to turn on you where you put your trust is going to fail. It's going to fall through. And then the second part is there's this promise, this sign, Emmanuel. And Emmanuel simply means God God with us. God will be with us. And this is, this is the heart of God, right? This is his heart towards his people, that he would be with us. From the original creation back in the garden, he was, he was with us, 
right? He's, he's making a way to continue to be with us. And the culmination of all of new creation, when Jesus comes a second time, he will be with us. I want to read you a story I was reminded of recently. It's a story out of Max Lucado's book, Because of Bethlehem. It's the story of a man named George Harley. It says, in 1926, George Harley founded a medical mission among the Mano tribe of Liberia. The locals were receptive to the doctor, and they helped him construct a clinic and a chapel. Eventually, Harley treated more than 10,000 patients a year. During the first five years, however, not one person from the tribe visited his chapel. Shortly after the doctor and his wife arrived, she gave birth to Robert, their first child. The boy grew up on the edge of the forest. He was the apple of our eye, Harley later said. How we loved our little boy. But one day, when he was almost five years old, I looked out the window of the medical dispensary and I saw Bobby. He was running across the field and he fell down. Then he got up and he ran more and he fell again, but this time he didn't get up. So I ran out, I picked him up, I picked up this feverish little body of my own little boy. I held him in my arms and said, Bobby, don't worry. Your daddy knows how to treat that tropical fever. He's going to help you get better. Dr. Harley tried every treatment that he knew, but nothing helped. The fever raged, and in short order, the disease took the boy's life. The parents were just distraught in grief. The missionary went to his workshop, and he built a little coffin. Harley placed Robert inside it. He nailed the lid. He lifted the coffin on his shoulders and he walked towards a clearing to find a place to dig the grave. One of the old men in the village saw him and asked about the box. When Harley explained that his son had died, the old man offered to help him carry the coffin. Dr. Harley told what happened next. So the old man took one end of the coffin and I took the other. Eventually, we came to a clearing in the forest. We dug a grave there and laid Bobby in it. But when he had covered up the grave, I just, I couldn't stand it any longer. I fell to my knees in the dirt and I began to sob uncontrollably. My beloved son was dead and there I was in the middle of an African jungle, 8,000 miles from home and relatives. I felt so alone. But when I started crying, the old man cocked his head in stunned amazement. He squatted down beside me and he looked at me so intently. For a long time, he just sat there listening to me cry. Suddenly, he leaped to his feet and went running back up the trail through the jungle, screaming again and again at the top of his lungs, white man, white man, he cries like one of us. That evening, as Harley and his wife grieved in their cottage, there was a knock at the door. Harley opened it. There stood the chief and almost every man, woman, and child of the village. They were back again the next Sunday, and they filled the chapel to overflowing. They wanted to hear about Jesus. Everything changed when the villagers saw that the tears of the missionary were real. Everything changes when we see the face of God. Jesus came so that we could see what God is like that we could see him flesh to flesh. 
And the very fact that Jesus came as the fulfillment of this promise sign, Emmanuel, it shows me two things. Number one, it shows me that God wants to be known, that he wants to be known. Think about how he came in Hebrews 1.3. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Listen, a God who doesn't want to be known is a God who would come so that he can't be found. He's, he's gonna hide. Our God leaves heaven and he puts on flesh. And it says in Philippians 2.6, 2, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. So instead of hiding not to be found, he comes to be like us and with us. He wants to be known. God wants to be known. And specifically, God wants to be known by you. He, he wants to be known by you. And even more specifically, he wants to be known by you as a present God. I have heard this too many times in the past little bit that I just cannot keep it bottled up anymore. Listen, Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and in strength, a very very present help in trouble. So what I understand from the Bible is that our God is not a set it and leave it type of God. Our God is not a I'll meet you at the end type of God. Our God is not a good luck along the way. I hope you make all the right choices along the way type of God. That is not the God of the Bible. That doesn't sound like Emmanuel, God who is with us. And so I would just challenge us today, if, if that's the God that we serve, one who is a set it and leave it, if that's our God, we may need to reevaluate the God that we worship. Is it the God of the scriptures? Is it the God of, of the Bible? Jesus came to show us his face. Emmanuel, God with us. God who's able to be touched and seen. God who came with tears. Emmanuel, God with us. It tells us that he wants to be known. And number two, it tells me that he wants to know you. He wants to be known by you and he knows. It's a God who knows you. A God who knows what you're like. A God who doesn't know what you're like would, uh, one would think that he would come and be completely different from everybody else. It makes me think of like the Greco-Roman gods as they would come all decked out in gold, right? The, or uh, I, think of, I think of Thor with like biceps that aren't even like humanly possible, right? Or, or like Loki all, all slicked out and just, he's got the helmet with the bendy ons, right? And, um, or Hulk, right? Big and green, this, this huge, huge thing, right? A, a God who doesn't actually know what you are like wouldn't come resembling you at all, but a God who knows what you are like comes with flesh that bleeds, who experiences the pains of betrayal, who comes and shows both an introverted side and an extroverted side. 
A God who knows what you're like comes what you are like. I love this in Hebrews 4.15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He understands you more than anyone else can ever understand you. And that's like really comforting to me and like really welcoming to me uh, because I'm a complicated human. Uh, I mean, there are probably some other complicated humans and I I do my best to uh, press into biblical community. I do my best to help other people to know me. But there are often days where I'm like, I don't actually know if anyone really knows Ben. I'm a complicated guy. And if you are a complicated human, here's the reassurance that I found. God gets you. God gets you. It's incredible. I want to close with one story. Lori, if you would come. It was a story I came across a number of years ago, and I'm going to read it from my crib because it was a picture of a parent in the crib with the baby that had the story along with it. The story says, this was from several weeks back. Yes, I climbed in the crib in hopes to soothe my screaming, teething, blushed-faced, and tear-soaked little girl. My husband came home to this, and I'm reposting it because this captures the essence of my heart and it captures my my why there I was in the heat of this exhausting beautiful thing that we call parenthood and I remembered a promise that I made to her one of the first times that Matt and I left Luella was for a worship conference at that conference a missionary shared his story and it shook me to my core a moment that would forever be burned in my fragile, hormone-raging, new mommy heart that had already become 100 times more fragile after meeting her. That missionary was in an orphanage in Uganda and had been in there, uh, had been many before, uh, but this one was different. He walked into a nursery with over 100 filled cribs with babies. And he listened in amazement and he wondered as the only sound that he could hear was silence. A sound that's beyond rare in any nursery, let alone a nursery with over 100 babies. And so he turns to his host and asks her why the nursery is silent. Her response to him was something I will never, ever forget. And this is my why moment. She looked at him and said, After about a week of being here and crying it out for countless hours, they eventually stop when they realize that no one's coming for them. They stop crying when they realize no one is coming for them. Not in 10 minutes, not in four hours, and perhaps maybe ever. Broke. I literally broke. You could have literally picked up the pieces of my heart scattered about the auditorium floor, but instead it stirred in me a longing and a hunger, a promise in my spirit, 
We came home that night as Luella rested her tiny little 10 pound body against mine and we rocked and I made her a promise, a promise that I would always come to her, always. At 2 a.m., when the pitiful, desperate squeals come through the baby monitor, I will come to her. Her first hurt, her first heartbreak, we will come to her. We will be there to hold her, to let her feel, to make decisions on her own. We will be there. We will show her that we will always be a safe place and we will always, we will always come to her. And this is the heart this is the heart of the season, that God's, God's here with us. He's in the mess right here with us. And the invitation is that we simply get to acknowledge him and say, a God who comes with me, I want to be with. And we can't do that in our own strength, in our own might. It's all done by the work that's been done on the cross. There's been a price that's been paid for us so that we can now stand righteously back in that garden place, back in the the presence of God, rightfully forgiven of all of our sins. And that's the invitation this morning for anyone who has not made that decision to be with God in relationship with him. And for anyone who has felt distance and said, uh, uh, and walked away from from God, the invitation this morning is is God saying, hey, I'm, I'm right here with you in it. And I'm asking you to respond. Hey, thanks again for joining us. If you have been blessed by Rise Church, be sure to follow us and share it on your social media. You can subscribe to a podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to give yet, you can do so at risechurchid.org or send a text message with a cash amount to the number 84321. And remember that the mission field is all around you. So go in the power of Jesus and bring that transformation for his glory.